Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly on a second straight glorious victory week as the Nittany Lions handled business over the Ohio Bobcats 46-10. But before we get to that game, we had some big news in the Big Ten as the promised one, Scott Frost, was fired from Nebraska after four years there and three games. He was 16-31 and overall. 10-26 in the Big Ten, and an astounding 0-14 record against top 25 opponents, which is just out of control. That was the big news in the Big Ten. Uh, Dave, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Definitely something that we saw coming, or I think the rest of the country saw coming. It just felt like his seat was getting hotter and hotter. I don't even know if we could get any hotter, especially <laughs> after that opening uh, opening week zero loss against Northwestern over in Ireland. But the astounding thing to me in his tenure at Nebraska, 27 one-score games him and his Nebraska Cornhuskers found themselves in, and they went five and 22 in those one score games which basically defines the laws of probability it really does i mean all any of those one score games a coin flip you win 50 percent of them but five and 22 in those one score games is a little bit of bad luck yeah but a lot of that's on coaching in those types of situations not being able to come out on top but I'm doing this math really quickly. So 47 games coached, 27. So over half of their games were decided by one score. <laughs> that is out of control. I've never heard a stat like that. And they came and, away with five of them. So that's that's pretty Yeah, hard. And winning five of them, that's pretty much the reason uh, he got fired. Continuing around the trenches, a.k.a. the Big Ten. Um, this one not in the Big Ten, but it pertains to the Big Ten. The big upset of the weekend, App State beating Texas A&M 17-14. Their first win over a top 25 opponent, actually a top 10 opponent, since 2007 against the Michigan Wolverines with that infam infamous uh, field goal block. Everyone remembers that. Uh, so basically, they're due for a win, an upset over Michigan was ranked number five that year. A&M was six this year. So every 15 years or so, they're due for a top five upset. <laughs> so mark that down your calendars. I'm going to right now, 15 years from now. They almost got us a couple of years ago when we were top 10, uh, came into Beaver Stadium and almost scared us, got got away with that one in overtime. But they they definitely are a live dog pretty much every time um, this year. I would be in particular, terrified but... to put them on my schedule. I would avoid them at all costs. Pick another Sunbelt team. Yeah, please. Uh, just put that in my calendar, though, for 15 years from now to bet on <laughs> Appalachian State Moneyline when they play a top five team. But I think the most embarrassing part about that, and we can't play the audio because we'll get um, DMCA'd from Texas A&M, but they have this thing, this tradition they do every Friday night at midnight called the Midnight Yells Practice. So they have these lads dressed in overalls, 
to lead the uh, midnight yell practice. First of all, if you're going to the midnight yell practice, you need to second guess your priorities in life and uh, kind of what you're doing on a Friday night at midnight before a football game. Um, other than that, he said some pretty inflammatory things that are pretty embarrassing looking back on it now. Obviously, we can't play the clip again, but I'm going to read this verbatim to you. And I quote, I'm not going to lie to y'all out of Google this team to make sure they were even real. I was really confused because Appalachian is definitely not a state. Terrible joke. Terrible joke. But sure enough, I found them and they are located deep. And I mean deep in the backwoods, just like you would think any hillbilly college that names themselves the Mountaineers. Woof! It goes on to say, I just hope that these guys can get here tomorrow, right? Because I know for a fact that half of their football team can barely even read the name on their jerseys, let alone read a map. It's a shame that the only two brain cells that these guys have left are going to get knocked out by our wrecking crew defense tomorrow. <laughs> and that guy wearing overalls leading a midnight yell. He's called the yell leader as well. So definitely got to question uh, your life path there is just the meme of the world right now. I mean, if you even attempt to put that clip up, Texas A&M is coming down on you and taking everything you have, taking down your video. It's ridiculous. But this dude is the Wally of the week for sure. I mean, could not be more <laughs> embarrassing, especially losing that game. And then just the last thing on that, too, is from a financial standpoint, obviously you have the big schools that are paying these smaller schools to come to them to play these non-con games. I believe I read that App State was getting paid by AM somewhere in the neighborhood of $1 to $1.5 million. Tell them to bring me my money. Yeah! To come to College Station and basically whip their, whoop their ass. Ruin their season. So there's <laughs> another little season. flavor, a little zest to add to that matchup there. Yeah, I, I know Penn State has some em embarrassing, admittedly, uh, traditions. But, I mean, the midnight yell, everyone wearing overalls, practicing yells. <laughs> that, that might be one of, the, one of the most embarrassing traditions in college football. I would have to agree. My second point of around the trenches is the Big Ten is down bad. So Ohio State did win over the weekend against Arkansas State, but that loss or that win to Notre Dame, that very tight win to Notre Dame, now looks even worse because they lost to Marshall. So Notre Dame's now 0-2. We had number 19 Wisconsin lose at home to Washington State 17-14 after a late fumble on their game-tying or game-winning drive with five minutes left. Obviously, Scott Frost fired after that 45-42 loss to Georgia Southern. Still laughing about that, even though you hate to see... No, actually, you don't hate to see someone lose their job. The best thing in the world for college coaches is to get fired because mm -hmm. then they just get paid out. Yep. I think Orgeron is making $17 million this year. That was a clip of him being like... You're paying me $17 million to quit. Show me the door and which way to go. Like, it's the easiest thing ever. So no remorse for Scott Frost at all. Mm -hmm. Then we have Iowa. They 
beat uh, South Dakota State 7-3 without a touchdown in week one and then end up losing to their in-state rivals, the Cyclone, Cyclones, right? Yep. In the Cyhawk battle, 10-7. So grand total of 14 points on the season. The first time that they dropped that game since 2014. So that's six straight wins for Iowa now vanquished. And lastly, Northwestern, 10-point favorites. I, I believe they were 10-point favorites uh, going up against Duke at home. They lost 31-23 after Evan Hall, who I admittedly do really like. He's a tough runner, just all grit, everything that defines a college football running back. Fumbled at the goal line, and they lose that game. So the Big Ten is just really top to bottom in, in shambles right now. After preseason, they were sort of projected to be a powerhouse with Ohio State, Michigan, who hasn't faltered yet, Michigan State, who's looked good, Penn State, who had that kind of weird game against Purdue, but we'll have a real test coming up against Auburn, which we'll talk about in a minute. But first, the Ohio beatdown. Dave, we got some freshman action. I know you love that. Who'd you like sure most do. in the uh, yeah second half of start playing? Yeah, second half. So a lot of guys getting involved and a lot of key guys with big days that we were waiting for. So the running backs on this podcast and the Penn State media and Penn State Twitter mentions pretty frequently, but they had their day, or at least Nick Singleton had his day, finally breaking off the big run that all Penn State fans have been waiting for Mm -hmm. probably since... Well, at least Journey Brown in the Cotton Bowl when he was running rampant. Yeah. But 70-yard, Luch, 70-yard touchdown run for Nick Singleton. And he topped it off with a second touchdown run of 44 yards. Finished the day, 10 carries, 179 yards, two tutties. It was amazing to see. Such a sigh of relief. Yes, it was the Ohio Bobcats. Yes, they're in the Mac, but damn it, we've been waiting for it and we got it. Exactly. People all over social media, Ohio, like play a better team. The dude had 10 carries and almost had 200 yards. What do you want yeah. from him? 10 <laughs> carries for like, that's in. What do you want from him? Who cares that it's Ohio? Could be anybody. That's a ridiculous, ridiculous game from a true freshman. True freshman. <laughs> And truly showed that he has that breakaway speed that we've been talking about that we haven't seen in a game yet. I know it's this is just the second game. Since I, I don't, has, I don't want to bring it up, but <laughs> Saquon, yeah, buddy, Crazy. he's got that game-changing breakaway speed that translates to any opponent, and that was that was the most exciting thing to see, and it was, but. It, it, was, it was really cool to see not only him, but Katron Allen didn't get a bulk of the work. He only had about six carries, 23 yards, but still positive signs. There is, uh, you know, ability to, to just go through the gut and bowl over dudes is, Again, is a nice a, dynamic to have in that backfield. As a true freshman, just trucking grown men into the yeah. turf. It's <laughs> awesome. And he's only going to get 
stronger and better vision and everything. So yeah, totally agree on that. And, and then, some wide receivers too. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was going to say to round out the rest of the offense, you had a lot of guys getting their firsts. So you had Amari Evans, true freshman wide receiver, mm-hmm. getting his first touchdown, uh, also catching Drew Aller's first touchdown pass. So they had a nice little connection there. Amari Evans, another one you talk about game breaking speed. He is a fast dude coming up from the state of Texas. And that's really what set him apart from that wide receiver group and what's allowed him to get onto the field is that speed runs about a four, three So he's super fast. Some other guys getting their first catches. He had Caden Saunders hauling in a couple balls. You had Jaden Dotton, who you haven't heard a lot from, not a true freshman, but it's been in the program and kind of, he got that first target of the game, which was a little surprising. Malik mega getting a couple catches and then Liam Clifford, Sean Clifford's brother catching his first pass <sighs> in the game action for 12 yards. So and then Khalil Dinkins from the tight end spot getting a touchdown as well. So a lot of firsts for guys. A lot of guys played in this game. At 70 total guys played in this ball game. So it was everything that you would have wanted out of this game. And then some. So it was it was it went perfectly. How many do we carry on the active roster? 70 dudes played. I want to say it's 85 scholarship. Don't quote me on that. But college rosters are obviously much bigger than NFL rosters. But, yes, 70 total guys got it in this game. That is absolutely nuts. And I'm blank. I know Harrison Wallace. Is he a – he's not a true freshman, right? He was on, he was on the team last year. Second, second year. Didn't get a lot of game action last year. So, I think he maintained that redshirt status. But, he, yeah, he had four catches, 35 yards. So, he's continuing to get the nod as kind of that fourth guy. Although it's still up in the air, but he has been both games so far. He's been getting the that fourth slot. Yeah, I mean, the underclassmen and this recruiting class—they've been hyped up a lot, and I think this game really, again, it was Ohio, but they still put up the numbers that you would expect a top recruiting class to put up. Again, going with the true freshman, I'm going to go with uh, the defensive side. Edge denied Dennis Sutton. Was wreaking havoc for total pressures, one defensive stop, one tackle, one assist. He is an absolute beast off the edge. We talked about him earlier, just a physical freak, lengthy, has that prototypical edge rusher body that you need to develop into a potential superstar. And then our new pot favorite, Chop Robinson, (laughs) having an awesome game. Two pressures, two QB hits, two tackles, two defensive stops all over the field. I think as the season goes along, him him and Adisa Isaac are really going to hold down that side of the line. Mm-hmm. I believe they play on the, um, I want to say the left, while Tarverton's on the right, usually. So I think as the season progresses, Robinson and Adisa Isaac are going to have it come up in a big way which they're going to need to going into next week as Penn State faces off against their first true opponent, I would say. No, no disrespect to Purdue. Their first true opponent, again, at Auburn, we are minus three. In like three and a half, I think, actually. Right? I've seen both. So I think it which, opened up three. It which is a little bit nuts do you think we should be three-point favorites in auburn 
I think so. In the season preview episode, I, I think I mentioned that a lot of folks were chalking this up as a loss, and I could totally I think see I did. that. You got a couple things going for Auburn, revenge factor, say it how you want, but they feel a lot of those players feel that they should have came away from Happy Valley with that win last year. So I think I think there's a little bit there. I do just, however, like our depth. I know James Franklin has spoken to it a lot, and we just mentioned the Ohio game. You know, we're getting a ton of guys game action and game reps. I think that's going to bode well for them. They're obviously going to shrink that rotation in a game like this. At least you would hope so or think so. But I do really like their chances here. I think you're walking into an environment that is going to be hostile. It's an SEC crowd. They are going to go with the orange out is what they're calling it. And it's so, funny quote here from. So we had to face a, a blackout and now we got to face an orange out. Jesus. Orange out. Hey, Every game best, is going to be it. Best form of uh, flattery is, is copycatting us. So I'll, I'll take that all day. Mm-hmm. But star defense player Derek Hall said it's going to be better than the whiteout. So that's just something that we'll watch out for. I highly doubt it. But but it's going to be. Maybe not better, but I could see being on par. I mean, that place fucking rocks it will be and and penn state they've mentioned that they've been practicing for over a week now with the silent count so it's going to be a tough environment but i do however just like our chances i think the quarterback play is is a little subpar for auburn it's just really going to be that run game that they're going to have to focus on but i like the progression over these first two weeks that we've seen from the front seven and mainly from our d-line so i I think it's a fair line going to their quarterback play I was looking at uh, some of their stats. TJ Finley, dual threat. Is he their main starter, or do they kind of go with a two-quarterback system? I haven't watched enough of them this year. Yeah, coming out of camp, he got the nod. Again, he was on the roster last year. playing LSU behind transfer? Yep, yeah, LSU transfer, playing behind Bo Nix last year. So he got the starting starting gig this year. They filtered in true freshman Robbie Ashford over the first couple games. That was the other name I saw, yeah. So, true freshman from Hoover, Alabama. Highly Hoover? Prospect. Hoover, yeah. Did he play for Hoover High, I'm assuming? I believe so. I'd have to double-check that. What but, a show. What a show that was. But he's more of your change of pace, read option type guy. They brought it in last week. First two opponents that Auburn's gone up against, you're talking Mercer and you got San Jose State. So, not the cream of the crop. That's why I was a little confused because – of those two opponents i was like is this just garbage time where they're throwing in their backup but essentially yeah. no they're just they're playing both these guys at the same time going run heavy yeah they're playing both of them and neither one has lit the world on fire you got tj finley who's got one touchdown four picks on the year Ashford thrown it a handful of times so if we can get some get some real pressure on these guys early and i know their their o-line is it's something to write home about, but if we can really get to TJ Finley and rattle him early, even though it's in their home environment or home crowd, I, th- I think I like I really like our chances here. Funny you bring that up. That is my key to the game. Last season, I was so afraid of Tank Bigsby. He almost single-handedly won that game for them last year. This season, he is on a, another tear. 198 yards through two games, 6.8 yards per carry, three touchdowns. Again, going against Mercer and San Jose State. So 
I don't see us necessarily stopping him. I just hope to mitigate him and mitigate the damage that he does. But in the situations where we can get Auburn in a third and long, even like a third and intermediate where it's a passing down, Manny Diaz has been drawing up tons and tons of blitzes. Blitzes are leading our sack leaders are a cornerback, Johnny Dixon, and Jonathan Sutherland, a converted safety. So I think those Manny Diaz blitzes are going to be humongous, and especially the battle on the edge with, as mentioned before, Nick Tarburton, Denai, Adisa Isaac, and Chop Robinson. So they're going up against probably one of the biggest offensive lines in the entire country. Let me list these guys off to you. Got to take a sip before this because these are some big, big boys. So on the edges, left tackle, who Tarburton is going to line up against. Killian, not not sure how to pronounce this, Z-I-E-R-E-R. Zyre? Senior, 6'7", 312 pounds. Right tackle, redshirt senior. Austin Troxel, 6'7", 309 pounds. That's who Adisa Isaac and Chopper Robinson will line up against. It doesn't get any better than that. Interior, left guard, grad transfer from Akron. Grand Council, 6'4", 328. Right guard, redshirt senior. Cameron Stutz, 6'5", 339 pounds. And then the run of the litter is their center, Junior Tate Johnson, 6'4", 285. So we just got beasts on behemoths, on monsters, on the offensive line. We need Tarburton, Isaac, Chop, uh, Dennis Sutton, um, Beeman, everybody on that defensive line to show up, especially on passing downs when it matters most against those two tackles. Unfortunately, they have not allowed a sack all season against inferior competition, but PFF has them as zero sacks. ESPN has them as one. And I think that was because of a uh, TJ Finley kind of like scramble drill in the backfield probably got sacked. So definitely a formidable unit. And I think the game is going to come down to those third and long, third and intermediates that we can get Auburn into and whether or not Manny Diaz can dial up blitzes or if our edge rushers can just get to them. But I I see Manny Diaz dialing up some blitzes because that's that offensive line is going to be tough to get through. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah, I think for sure – Given Manny's experience, I think these first couple games, you saw a few different looks that we haven't quite seen over the last few years with Brent Pry there. And I think it's exciting utilizing some different guys, some different packages and some blitz uh, blitz schemes. So I think those first two games, him and really the coaching staff as a whole, were just kind of work through what they have to see all those shiny new toys that they have on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And we just rifled off a whole bunch of them. So I think, 
like I said, you're going to see a little bit shorter of a rotation here, but not necessarily at the D-line spot because they just have so many guys that they can rotate in. And keeping those guys fresh, I think yes. it's huge to be able to get after not only the quarterback, but get by that that behemoth of an offensive line. So I think I think that's definitely something to watch. So we got Penn State minus three. The over under in that game is I don't have it up right now. Do you know it by chance? Don't know it offhand. 47 and a half. I would go ahead and take the under in that game just because of um Auburn's clock management seems like they're gonna be bleeding the clock. Penn State might have a little bit of trouble against their defense. I would definitely take the under, but that's not part of my Big Ten betting bonanza. Last week, the boys were on. Five and one. I personally went 3-0. Perfect record last week. However, Dave is beating me in the point system because of the Iowa State, the Iowa State money line. Call it, I'm not, baby. I'm not mad about it at all. I love seeing the Hawkeyes suffer, as I've said time and time again. Uh, we'll go over the point total when we get into the Big Ten betting bonanza next. And also, a special raffle for the few that entered. Also, breaking news in here, um, at Hardcore PSU FB on Twitter, Penn State's hotel will be an hour away from Auburn. That's kind of kind of weird, isn't it? We're gonna have an hour bus ride to the stadium. Yeah, talk about just trying to shun away any visiting fans trying to come witness your stadium. Is that uh, normal? Nothing that I've normal. seen. I think even from what I saw, you had to fly into Atlanta and would have to rent a car and drive to Auburn. So definitely not a convenient away venue to to venture on. Damn, damn, that that puts a whole other wrinkle into it. Yeah. And you said you you looked at... Looking at some lines, someone entertained trying to go to this game from a little bit of a hike from over here in Texas, but a little bit closer. And Airbnbs, hotels, everything was at least an hour, hour and a half out. Damn. from campus and expensive so definitely was not <laughs> uh, you know even close to being something that i would have went ahead and did so that's crazy another obstacle to overcome mm-hmm. still minus three and a half though <laughs> yeah. would have been cool to be part of that orange out though let me tell you i would have been the the lone guy wearing white <laughs> all, all orange <laughs> 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 Where I'm white standing up all the time. <laughs> it is week three of the greatest sports betting competition of all time, the Big Ten betting bonanza, following an absolute heater of a weekend for the fellas. Five and one record up 4.15 units between the both of us in week two. Like I said, I was a perfect three and O up 2.7 units last week while Dave was 
two and one. His only loss was the Ohio State minus 43 and a half against Arkansas State. You just love those big spreads. Can't stay away from again. them. Let me down again. Scroll. Still two and one and up 1.45 units. But his big win came with the Iowa State money line, which in the Big Ten betting bonanza gets you three points. So in the point tally, Dave is plus five. I am plus four. But looking at the records, from four one and one on the season, up two point six units. Dave's three and three, up point four units. <laughs> but all that matters is those points in the Big Ten betting bonanza. So I might be having the better statistical statistical betting season, but Dave's having the better bonanza season. <laughs> so we'll kick off. Week number three by reviewing one. I don't even think you saw this as your game. You had the Michigan-Hawaii over under 67. You had that, and you had the under. So with eight minutes left in the game, it was 56 to 10. So 66 points. You're basically screwed. Hawaii goes on a 14-play, 73-yard drive, chewing up six minutes and 43 seconds clock. First and goal, they at the seven, they run it for three yards to the four. Michigan calls a timeout of 56 to 10. Second and goal. Hawaii runs it for four yards. They get to the two-yard line. Third and goal from the two. After that timeout, you know Michigan wants it. Hawaii then runs. So they just got three yards and then four yards on the ground. You'd think they would just pound it up for another two yards. Instead, they hand it off to the back who does a Tim Tebow little jump pass. There's nobody. Falls flat in the end zone. Fourth down from the two-yard line. Again, why don't you just run the ball? It's his fourth down. They just go empty formation, spread, quick out, slam down. Baron gets the cover, 66 points out of control. And then another insane win for me. I had Michigan State minus 21 first half spread. They are up by, I believe it was 21. So I would have pushed that game. 57 seconds left in the ha- in the first half. Uh, ball thrown 21. It's fourth and 14. They hit a 19-yard pass to Keon Coleman. And then Jack Stone, balls of stone, steps up, 43-yard field goal with one second left. 24-0 Michigan State covers. One of the greatest weekends of betting that we've had on the Whiteout Weekly podcast in the Big Ten Betting Bonanza. Absolutely. I know we said the the Big Ten was down bad, but those few teams were helping the boys out this weekend. For sure. So let's continue on. I think it would probably be about time if you're calculating our uh, or tallying our records to follow us instead of feed us. So my first game here. We got one of my favorite squads i talked about them in the past new mexico state the ultimate under team 
They're going against Wisconsin, who just had a very upsetting loss. I think their defense is going to be fired up. Their offense, they still have, what's his name, Mertz. Graham Mertz is their quarterback. Mm -hmm. He he can't do anything. That game's over-under is 46.5. Way under. Give me the under. So to counter this, and this might be a first, at least for this season, I'm going to take the opposite. It's a little bonanza battle. Oh, wow. Over 46 and a half. I think think the Badgers come back this week, a little fired up, a little more pep in their step. Looking ahead to that Ohio State game, they got to get that offense rolling. They got to keep up with CJ Shroud and company. 38 and a half point favorites. They're going to score at least 42. And I think the New Mexico State Aggies are good for at least one tutty. Davy, Davy, Davy. I don't think you know New Mexico State like <laughs> I know them. They're not good for one tutty. It could be 40. It's going to be upon it right now. If this hits 42 to three, that's going to be the final score. Ooh. And if that's the final, because we're both betting the same game, if that's the final score, I get a plus three. All right. Fair? Fair. Boom. I should get more than that. Give it to victim. Yeah. Score. <laughs> give me a give me a plus seven. It's called six. All right. Six. Plus six. It's back to me. Second bet. Two teams that hate Penn State. Gotta pick one of them. Rutgers, Temple. Rutgers is 17 and a half point favorites at Temple. Temple honestly looks like a JV high school football team, if we're being completely honest. Uh, I know they have some choice words probably towards me, being a Penn State fan, but it is what it is. You guys suck. Rutgers, we talked about them last week, that jersey, we just live rent-free in their head. We'll see them later in the season. I'm going to take Rutgers minus 17 and a half. Have your day in the sun, Scarlet Knights. We'll see you when it matters most when the weather gets cold. Yeah, I think Temple very well might be might be the worst team in the FBS, if not bottom five. So I do I do like the way the Scarlet Knights have been trending. Nice little 66 burger on Wagner College last week. So good I, th- to see that. I think there's a little bit of a uh, one of the, you know those words that you always have trouble with that no one else does? Rivalry. <laughs> always have trouble with that fucking word. I think they have a little bit of a rivalry going on. Rucker Temple. So I think Rutgers is going to be like, hey, we're your big brother. Sit down. Boom. I think gonna so. Going to be beat down. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. Uh, second pick for me, I am jumping off the Ohio State Buckeye ship as they've screwed me two weeks in a row, but I am latching <laughs> on. No, this is the time to break that. No. I'm, you okay. I'm latching on to my Michigan bandwagon, and I'm going to play the under again here this week, Luch. I'm going Ooh. under 60 against UConn. You are just towing the line with these unders. Dancing with the devil, baby. All right. How can we get to 59 in that game? <laughs> like 35 34 <laughs> now we'll be that close. <laughs> not gonna be that close at all 
My last pick, I'm between two. So two weird spreads here. We got number six, Oklahoma, as 11.5-point favorites at Nebraska, who, as we've talked about, at nauseum is just absolute dog dog manure, dog poo this season. Just fired their head coach. You would expect that spread to be 24, 27, something like that. So suspect spread there. The other one I was looking at, number 11, Michigan State, is giving three and a half points at the Washington Huskies, which, again, doesn't add up to me at all. So I'm between those two games. There's the old adage that teams rally when their coach gets fired. However, I just I just don't see that happening. But the Oscars, I just think they are down in the dumps. They played week zero, so this is now their fourth straight week of playing. I think they're absolutely exhausted. They're looking to the bye as soon as possible. So I'm going to go with the Washington Huskies. First half spread, which I have to look up right now. I apologize for not preparing. You can score me all you want. Let me look it up real quick. Because, yeah, that number 11, Michigan State, who's looked great last week. How are they underdogs against a Pac-12 opponent? Who yeah, very, no, very no one's talking line. about. Apologies, folks. Recording this on a Tuesday, so lines are kind of hard to find for next week. Um, the Washington first half spread is minus two and a half. That is my final pick. Washington Huskies minus two and a half first half. All right. So for my final pick, I'm going to go to a week one Penn State opponent, Purdue Boilermakers. Traveling to the Carrier Dome for a nice little noon kickoff against Syracuse Orangemen. I'm going to take the over in this game, over 58. Garrett Schrader, uh, our quarterback for uh, Syracuse, has been on a tear to start the season. And I think him and Aiden O'Connell get a little bit of a shootout here in the Carrier Dome. So I'm going to take the over 58. I will... Put money on that as well. It's a great call. That line's even. That's pretty nuts. Take them. Yeah. Crazy. Hughes is looking good. Yeah, they've looked good these first couple weeks here. Would they ever are they in the ACC? Mm-hmm. I guess they wouldn't really be a big draw for the Big Ten to get as another as a, another option. Yeah. I mean, maybe more so for basketball, but football. Oh, yeah. As far it's a little tangent. As far as expansion, I'm looking at it in West Virginia. I think those are the two schools next in line to join the Big Big Ten. Makes sense. Yeah, I think unless you're all, there's always going to be interest in what Notre Dame's going to do. So I think Notre Dame, if they wanted to make a move, I think the Big Ten would open the door right away. But if they don't, you would have to look at some of those other schools. Yeah, Notre Dame's got to make a move soon. All right. To close out the show, we want to thank you all again for tuning in and watching. But we want to especially thank five of you 
for entering into the raffle for these. I mean, you're going to win some sweet cards. This Crusade Prism Saquon Barkley card. But the pink and the black old school Penn State colors. Ooh. Pretty dope card. That's the first place winner. Second place. We'll get this Saquon Prism card. Penn State jersey and all. And he had, Money. I don't know if you saw his first week. Pretty good first week. So these cards might be worth something in the future. He's back, baby. All right. Let me share my screen. There we go. The wheel ready for the cards. We got as our five contestants keep PX Dreaming G42 at the flavor creator at Hotman underscore rock at Bobby underscore heights and at Rick Roth one 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 three. Thank you to you five for subscribing to the YouTube channel and following the Twitter account. We'll give these this is screen sharing, right? Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure there's no shenanigans going on here. We shuffle a couple times, no conspiracies. And boom. Rick Ross. Hey, let's go. Of the Saquon Barkley Crusade. Actually, you can pick whichever Saquon card you want. Uh, the Crusade or the other one. Crusade one is cooler, in my opinion. But congratulations, Rick Roth. Remove him. And for the second Saquon card. Drum roll, please. Please, Dave. It is the <laughs> flavor creator. Congratulations to the flavor creator. And who is the first winner? Rick Roth. Rick Roth. One three. Used with Rick Roth. Got them down. I have it written down over there. And surprise, we actually have a third card. I'm going to show it off after this spin. But whoever gets it, it's a Micah Parsons rookie card. For the third spin, a little secret. I'm glad you guys joined in the YouTube channel. Following along to the end, here we go. Oh <laughs> man underscore rock squeezes it out of the skin of his teeth. He gets the Micah Parsons rookie card, which I'll show to you right now. Where is it? It's right here. Squeeze it out like that Michigan under. In his Penn State uniform. Woo. One last secret. No one's going home empty-handed. Everyone's getting a card. At Bobby Heights at Keep 
X Dreamin' G42. We will message you on Twitter and think of something. Uh, your favorite Penn State player, and I'll probably have their card. Thanks again, everybody. Another episode in the books. Another Big Ten betting bonanza in the books. Definitely follow those picks. Thank you to everyone who entered the raffle. We'll get those cards out to you as quickly as possible. Big game up ahead. Big game up ahead. We need everyone focused and go state. Go state, baby. 